Professor Stanley back, and we're going to talk about the next topic, which is non-suicidal self-injury. Non-suicidal self-injury has a prevalence of about 5.9% in adults and 18% in adolescents, and it is basically inflicting damage to your body through an act of will where you're not intending to commit suicide, but somehow you're damaging your body in some way. It can occur in many different forms. It can include cutting, skin carving, burning, abrading, punching, scratching, hitting, bone breaking, biting, pinching, interfering with wound healing, and rarely, but sometimes, auto-amputation and ocular enucleation. I will tell you that I had a patient who gouged his own eye out, but he was a schizophrenic patient, and he did it because he was delusional and believed that somebody had placed an implant in it. It's a very, very sad case when he was psychotic that he did this and had pretty much blinded himself. Um, I will say that that's pretty rare. The most common times you're going to see this sort of behavior is with self-cutting, self-burning, self-battery. Um, in other words, punching or banging a body part against a hard surface to create skin bruising. Anyway, interestingly enough, um, females are more likely to be identified and seek help than males are. Uh, females are more likely to participate in cutting, and males are more likely to participate in burning and self-battery. The average age of onset is 13 to 14 years old, or from 18 to 19 years old is the second most likely age. And these are really key developmental transition periods. From 13 to 14, you're going from middle school to high school, and your social group may be challenged at that time, and people without a good sense of identity and you know, they don't have good solid coping skills yet and out of, without a good support network, the stressors may just become overwhelming. That also happens at 18 to 19 when you transition from high school to college sometimes. It is important to assume that this behavior, though, is not confined to adolescents and young adulthood. There are some individuals throughout the entire age spectrum who suffer from this condition. Um, I had a patient recently who had been internationally in she had served in some areas where she had been subjected to some very unusual life stressors where um, people had threatened her life and she had seen people killed because of her work with an international organization. And because of that, this, the cutting became comforting to her. She, it was a way that she was able to accomplish some emotional um, relief from her distress. Sometimes this type of behavior can be used in order to get other people to understand the kind of pain that someone is experiencing. Maybe it's their only way or it's a cry for help, the only way that they can get attention from someone else and get someone else to understand their pain. I will say that as you have these patients on the psychiatric unit, that of course identifying them is very important and creating an environment where they don't have something that they can self-harm with. This is why you know, patients on the psychiatric unit are not allowed to use erasers because an eraser could be something that someone could use to burn their arm or burn their legs or something by rubbing it repeatedly and creating a friction burn. This is why patients can't have staples in perhaps a handout that you give to them or in a magazine or something like that because they are things that a patient with a risk for non-suicidal self-injury could use to self-cut or self-harm with. And no, none of us want that to happen on our shift. Interestingly, patients who self-harm are able to be very remarkably inventive when it comes to ways to harm themselves. I had a patient one time who actually broke his glasses 
and was back in his room cutting himself with his glasses and we found it and we had to take his glasses away and it was very sad because he was actually a homeless fellow and had no means to be able to replace those glasses and then wasn't able to see very well. So anyway, I just wanted to bring up non-suicidal self-injury because you need to be considering your environment when you're looking around to see what a patient could self-harm with. This is why patients might be placed on safety trays in the psych unit and have finger foods only and not be allowed any sort of silverware. So just wanted to be sure that you had a pretty good understanding of what that was as well. Just because they're self-injuring does not mean that this is going to lead to suicide, but it is something that we need to be very conscious of. And sometimes non-suicidal self-injury can be an indicator of the distress a person is in that may indicate that they may progress on to suicidal ideations or suicide attempts. Thank you for listening.